Odyssey Richmond is the number one shop for all college basketball fans. We've got you covered. WRVA for UVA Hoops, 96-1 for Virginia Tech, WRNL for your VCU Rams. Midday host on WRNL 910 The Fan, Adam Epstein and his VCU alum friends will discuss the VCU basketball program weekly with insight, analysis, and interviews. This weekly podcast will be the answer for all Virginia Commonwealth Hoops fans. Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! And this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. What's going on, Ram Nation? Here we are back in the studio for Season 2, Episode 7, with just one game to preview. And so because of that, we brought in one very special guest. It's Adam Epstein alongside Chris Mason, Caleb Jones, and Connor Bailey. And our special guest from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, Zach Joachim. Thanks for coming out, Zach. I'm honored to be on the show. What's up, guys? Absolutely. So we'll start with the win against Temple. Caleb you got to love the Christmas-slash-Hanukkah present of Joe Bamisil being able to play. Came out of absolutely nowhere. <laughs> I, had, I I thought Joe Bamisil was just – there was no chance we'd have him this season. And uh, for the, the the court case in northwestern West Virginia to push everything through uh, was just, like you said, a Christmas present. And uh, Joe Bamisil made an instant impact. So, man, it's an early Christmas present. I think it's – was it actual Hanukkah present? Was Hanukkah still going on last yeah, week? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it was like, what, sixth, seventh, eighth day of Hanukkah. Yeah. Like, it was, it was pretty hype, man. But, um, you know, we – you know, today's Tuesday. We're recording our pod. We recorded our pod last Tuesday. And the news – it was was it Wednesday when it first like, – the, the loss – the uh, initial ruling was on Wednesday. So we had already recorded our, our pod from last week. That's why we didn't mention it last week because it hadn't happened yet. But, you know, the, the news comes out Wednesday, and there's so much confusion. It's, you know, you, you got guys like Goodman. All, all the college basketball heads are tweeting, and there's confusion. Um, and then, you know, as it got closer, it's like, hey, you know, they won't be punished if they play. And it's like, oh, they would be punished. <laughs> they they w- could lose eligibility. And then the whole time we're sitting there, we're like, Joe Bams, he's not playing basketball until he's 24 years old. He's he's a professional, pl- future professional player. He's either going to play this year or next. Like, he's not going to play in two years here <laughs> or anywhere in college basketball. So we're like, yeah, he's going to play. And then by Friday, it was like, you know what? He's playing Saturday. He came in. He had a little pep in his step. He reminds me of a young Jamal Shuler. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, there was energy. He was clapping his hands and stuff. It was awesome to see him out there. Uh, a fun win against Temple, but clearly an early Christmas present for us Ram fans. Yeah, I mean, just such a super spark off the bench. It's like our bench unit was already playing really well. Well, Jason Nelson with Toby Lawal, Fats Billups stepping onto the scene. But Joe Bamisil is a completely different dimension. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to ask Zach, like, what was that reporting experience like? following that last week um confusing it moved <laughs> incredibly fast uh and i'm certainly not a legal expert and so i was bouncing questions off of my friends who have a lot more law acumen than i do trying to wade through it all yeah but what'd you think of joe's play um i, I think he's gonna slot into the starting lineup before too long here right um wow. he provided a big start a big spark there off the bench man the energy in that building when he came off the bench and got the big round of applause and then he hits the two threes back to back on the right wing there he took the roof off the place it was awesome yeah I, what i loved was his first bucket So he came in, had a corner shot, then went in and out, and then was open, Caleb, and you kind of saw him pump fake it and then say, no, I'm going to put my head down, go to the basket. And he got himself like a a little four-foot jump shot, nothing but net, and it was just really cool to see him create his own shot. Yeah, he's a true three-level scorer, I think. I mean, obviously his shot looks really good. Really nice high release on that shot, too. Um, And, yeah, he can put the ball on the floor, go to the hole. He can pull up a little bit. So, I mean, he just gives you such a dynamic piece on offense. 
Um, but I kind of had a question for you guys since you guys get to talk to him and you know post game interviews and stuff like that. He's just such a positive guy through all of this. So I mean, it, it just seems like, I mean, it's got to be fun interviewing him and just seeing how much it means to him. And it's just a feel good story. So um, yeah, I mean, do you feel that just all the time with him? That was one of my favorite post game pressers that I've ever been to for a VCU. Uh, the vibes were immaculate. I love the question <laughs> toward the end too, when someone asked him, "Are you really smiling all yeah. the time?" and "Is this truly you?" and he was like, "Yes, I, I wake up every morning." and I'm just like, "Yes, let's let, let's do it." So I thought that was hilarious, and you could tell that he instilled a confidence in this team that I don't think we've seen to this point in the year. Yeah, and he was so good, but uh, I still want to mention the backcourt duo of Zeb Jackson mm-hmm. and Max Scholger combining for 38 points. And you know, I was kind of texting the boys this week, like, man, Ace Baldwin and Jaden Nunn were so good, but these guys were making scoring look easy. They're not going to be the on-ball defenders that those guys were, but we've been able to replicate the offensive production from our backcourt. Yes, statistically speaking, I mean, you have a guy averaging 16 and a guy averaging 15, which is far beyond what we had last year from our starting backcourt. But also, uh, with the addition of Joe Bamisil, the impact that it has on Max Shulga to play seven less minutes in that game and still get 19 points, the fact that you're giving him a breather – uh, I mean, the guard rotation, the depth is just so much more quality. And he went out early, I think, too, with two fouls. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why they did not feel that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But no, I, I, I agreed. He did go out early, but I think Caleb was right that he's going to pro- get a little more breathers, especially when Barrister comes back. That really will really affect the lineup. But I look at this game. You mentioned they both scored 19 points, 38 points overall. How about this for a stat line after that? Zeb Jackson, seven assists, one turnover. Yeah. Max Schulga, five assists, zero turnovers. Both guys got six rebounds. Jackson, four four steals. Shulga, two steals. Uh, I mean, if you can get production in that ballpark every night from our team, then you throw in Barrister, then you throw on our guys down low. I mean, we're this is a top, you know, four or five team in the A ten right there. Yeah, I love Shulga's passing. Like he had that one where he led Kwani to basket. He had that other JNL kick out, and that seemed like a better, more comfortable role for him. He wasn't like having to do step back threes at the end of the shot clock. He's like more facilitator, combo guard type guy. Yeah. Yeah, and another thing that I liked about Shulga's game is he only shot three three-pointers, and he went 10 for 10 from the free throw line. So he's being aggressive going to the basket, which I think is something that we really need to make a point in doing. Zach, uh, Zach mentioned Joe Bamiso getting into the starting lineup. Who does he replace? I mean, Kwani Kwani's starting to hit that shot. That's a different dynamic for our offense. And I, I just love Kwani's length in the starting lineup. You know, that that's huge to me. I've told you guys, I think that uh, Odom, based on seniority, starts 2K. Mm -hmm. And I think he's loyal for that. And I I honestly, I like it. I think that the whole starting lineup thing is sometimes a little overhyped, but I have no problems with 2K starting. Especially, I mean, he's gotten hot lately, too. So that helps. Connor? I think eventually uh, Zeb and Shulga are in, no doubt. I think it it wouldn't surprise me if. if, if Bam's up the bench for at least the next two out of conference games, and if Barristow plays it in the next two games, wouldn't surprise me if he comes up the bench. Give him, give him, he's an injury, a guy coming off an injury. Give him eight minutes, give him 12 minutes, that kind of thing. I think eventually by conference play, it'll probably be Jackson, Shulga, Bam, Barristow. And if we keep on starting Furman and bringing Toby in, I, I, I think Bell and, and 2K are still going to get a lot of, a lot of minutes, but I, I can see that happening. But at least for the next two non con games, we'll, I, I think we're still kind of kind of acclimate our guys that are we're either sitting out or had an injury. So I, I do think Michael Bell has earned the right to stay in the starting lineup with his defense and rebounding. I mean, he's just such an impactful player. Toby's minutes have started to exceed 
firms too. We're starting to see. It seems like in the second half and crunch time, Ryan loves going to those smaller lineups with Toby at the five. And so I think at some point here, we could see him uh, slot into the starting role. Although firm has played well too. So I, I don't know. It's good to have competition for minutes there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with Connor on that eventual starting five. Like Michael Bell plus minus was minus 18. Joe Bam was plus 18. And then, um, yeah, I see um, Bearstow coming in also. And then it was interesting at the presser, like Ryan Odom mentioned like, oh, Joe Bam's so familiar with this unit. He's been practicing all year with the second unit. So he likes that like chemistry he has with those guys. So I agree yeah. it might be like a gradual tr- transition, but I like Connor starting five. Yeah, and then look, it's going to be a completely different line at the end of, of the end of the game. I mean, it's going to be Toby Lawal as long as he's not in foul trouble. It's going to be Barristow, Shulga and Zeb Jackson, and I could even see Jason Nelson playing crucial minutes. Yeah, Toby being a uh, scoring threat off the bench has been huge. I mean, none of our bigs are really scoring that well uh, right now, but I think that Toby, you know, I mean, only had seven points last game, but he's shown that he can, you know, provide us a double-double with 12, 14 points and 10 rebounds or something like that, so... Uh, love seeing the progress from him. This is the Black Gold Fan Podcast, an affiliate of the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for VCU basketball. And the Rams are at home again on Friday to face off against Maryland Eastern Shore. But before we preview that game, we've got to hear from the professor, Chris Mason. Time's up, and the professor has arrived at classes with grades in hand. We're going to have recess all the time. Woo! How rowdy was the stew last night? Here to grade the crowd's performance, it's Chris Mason, crowd rating. All right, so like Zach said earlier, um, great atmosphere in there. Um, Wasn't a sellout, no students though, so I give them a pass on that. Um, But just when Joe Bam came in, the crowd immediately like connected with him. Like Mike Litos keeps tweeting, like he's like one of those guys that like the crowd loves and his energy is infectious for everyone. Um, there was some holiday spirit on that one guy's trombone. I think we'll see more of that holiday spirit on Friday night um, against UMES. But yeah, that's an A. Just if it has to be like electric Butler, Texas, not that level, but very good. Absolutely. And uh, you also got to check out the pregame show in the Commonwealth Room. Oh, yeah. We got John Feinstein. Great interview. Um, who is the big guy who came in? Levi Stalker. Levi Stalker. Levi yeah. Stalker got a huge round of applause. He, I thought that was He lives was in my really neighborhood. Cool. I see him walking his dog all the time. Really? <laughs> he works for Synergy Tech. He's got like now. a, yeah. he's got big dude, tiny dog, too. It's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so. No, I, I kind of agree with, with the crowd rating. I, I, I think that. Man, it was just a lot going on there for that game. The revenge aspect, playing against Temple. Temple's also a good program in a decent con- uh, uh, conference. And then Joe Bamisil coming in, that place really did explode. I moved over to sit next to Robbie and Rodney on the call when Joe Bam came in. And if he hit that corner three, that first shot, it was 27 seconds in his checking in. I think the Seagull Center might have exploded. Like, it was awesome. Yeah, and I uh, hope, like, another return, hopefully Bearstow on Friday could be the same type of thing. Yeah. Connor, what would you think of the atmosphere? You were sitting courtside. I was sitting courtside. So, uh, for anyone who listen, listens to the pod knows my father, uh, John Boogie Bailey, uh, Friday the 15th was his 70th birthday. Uh, so, long-time season ticket holder since the 70s. Uh, big fan. And, um... So yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, man. But uh, yeah, you know, probably two months ago, we we, we have a friend of, friend of ours. They have courtside seats right in front of the Peppas. Reach out to them like, hey, can you hook us up? It's you know, it's seventieth birthday. He took his brother Rob, who's eight years older, but was a season ticket holder at the Coliseum in the seventies and eighties with him. Still goes every game. He's just a little older, so he likes to watch at home and kind of fall asleep a little bit. But uh, and then my brother and I, we all went. But uh, the surprise thing for my dad was that I got 
the Siegel Center like marketing team, uh, promotions team to announce birthdays. There was a, there was a lady's birthday before that, and then they showed they showed their um, his you know you know happy seventieth John Boogie Bailey. But it was a lot of fun, man. Uh, they kind of showed us on the screen, and uh, they gave us like a little bag of four Michelobes for free. <laughs> and so I drank one of those, but I mean you know. Yeah. There's only so much water I can drink at a game, you know. But it was it was like totally out of the blue. But no, it was. So I've sat in those seats before. Courtside's awesome, man. It's you're up so close, and uh, especially the the first half, you know, you media members are up are like right in front of my feet. You know, it's hard. Yeah. You know, it's a little cramped. But that <laughs> but that, uh, that second half, they all moved to the other side. It's a lot more spacious. But no, it was awesome, awesome environment. I agree with Chris, man. There was a buzz. And as soon as Joe Bam came in, he's clapping his clapping his hands, stomping his feet, getting hyped. So. Yeah, Zach, what did you think of the atmosphere? It was special, man. I think you could sense that everyone feels that this team is really close. I kept thinking of Fats a couple of games ago. I think that was after the Memphis game, right, where they asked him, how close are you guys to finding it and to clicking, and that was a game that uh, they could have won with a couple more fortuitous bounces of the ball, right? And so I think that everyone sensed with the addition of Joe, with Sean's return imminent, that this team is a couple steps away from perhaps finding it and getting hot like they did last year. And so that added an extra sense of energy on top of just adding Joe back to the starting lineup and the fact that he's an easy guy to root for, right? And we've already talked about that, the fact that he's smiling all the time um, and the fact that he's been very open about his personal struggles, um, his family health, his own mental health challenges. Um, And so I think everyone in the fan base wants to root for him right now, not only because he's a big addition on the court, but because he's an easy guy to root for. So there's a special energy behind him. Yeah, no, I I feel you. The anticipation was real. Uh, I've got a funny story about the atmosphere. So uh, I forgot to call off on my Saturday show. I usually don't do back-to-back when I have to do a VCU game. So I was up at 7 a.m. prepping, then doing a three-hour show in uh, in D.C., right, all about Wizards, Caps moving, took a bunch of phone calls. I was exhausted. Then I went to the VCU game and did a 45-minute extended pregame show, Levi Stockard, Bradford Burgess, John Feinstein. I mean, it was a packed pregame show. So I was exhausted with about five minutes left and starving. So I actually left the game early. I was like, oh, we're up by 14. I feel comfortable. I went across the street to Subway, right? So I get a little sub, I get in my car, and uh, as I'm walking out of Subway, this, like, almost, like, homeless-looking old white dude with, like, kind of looked like Santa Claus, big beard, goes, why is everyone leaving the game early? I was like, (laughs) I was like, we're up by 20. And he just goes, Goddamn! <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was pretty funny. Hey, he's got a point, man. Why you why you leaving the game early? You yeah, know? I know it's something I don't usually do, but it's time to hand it off to the stat monster, Caleb Jones. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Let's hand it off to Caleb Jones, the stat monster. All right, since we have an excellent guest in the studio with us, in uh, Zach. I'm going to ask for your help a little bit. I'm going to highlight four critical stats that I've noticed. And uh, I want you to tell me what you think uh, the biggest room for improvement is or what you think is the most important to improve. So the first is we are 327th in the country in turnover percentage. So we're not doing a great job protecting the ball. On the other side, we're 239th on D. So we're not generating turnovers on defense either. The second uh, critical stat is we are 343rd in two-pointers as a percentage of our total points, despite being 41st in the country in two-point shooting percentage. So we shoot very well from two-point, but we're not doing it very much at all. And kind of a sidebar on that, we're 174th in three-point shooting percentage, but 18th in the country in terms of three-pointers attempted for field goals attempted. So... Uh, kind of in summary for those two things, 
we shoot the two ball really well. We're not doing it a lot. We shoot the three ball a lot. We're not good at it. The <laughs> third thing is, the third critical stat is we are 324th in adjusted tempo with an average possession of 18.3 seconds. So we're playing very slow, well below the average, which I don't think is pretty typical for a Ryan Odom offense. The fourth thing and the last, I know it's a lot of stats, but I'll kind of give you a high-level rundown uh, recap. The fourth is we are 338th in minutes continuity in the country. And I think what that boils down to is how well Sean Barristow and Joe Bamisil will assimilate into this lineup and we can get a continuous rotation. So high level, what would you like to focus on the most or improve the most? Extra pre- generating extra possessions, improving our shot selection, playing a faster tempo, more of a Ryan Odom offense, or just really hammering home our team chemistry and getting Joe and Sean just humming with the rest of the team. I've done the math. Sean is Checks out. <laughs> Sean is naturally going to help with the tempo a great deal. I think Ryan mentioned that in his press conference earlier today that he's a guy that, that wants to play fast all the time and is obviously very familiar with his system, having started all 35 games at Utah State last year. So I think that's going to kind of happen naturally as we progress here and as Sean gets assimilated back into the lineup. I want to see us get to the cup more often, um, particularly the guards, because this isn't a team with a post-up presence that can score with their back to the basket. Like a lot of the time last year when the offense was not humming, you would go to B. Johns in the post or you'd throw the ball into Deloach and they just don't have those guys this year. And I think that that's in part by design because those aren't really the kind of bigs that that Ryan emphasizes. He wants guys that can stretch the floor, guys like Kawani who can operate around in the perimeter, and Sean can shoot it out there as well. So I want the guards to put their heads down and get to the basket. That's the thing I'd like to see them focus on, and that starts with Zeb. I mean, there's so many blow-bys that he has that just make you go, wow, he's the quickest guy on the court, right? And Zeb can certainly knock down shots on the perimeter, and it it seems like he's a big shot maker. The ones that that go in most consistently for him are the ones in big moments, but he's never really found a whole lot of consistency from outside. So uh, Max, obviously, if he's open, you want him shooting on the perimeter. But as a general rule, I think I'd like the guards more committed to putting their head down and getting the basket because some of the best offense that I see from us is when they do that, and then you get those dump-off passes to the bigs. See, I I love that answer, and um, for two reasons. One being our turnover percentage is, is creeping back down to nor- normal levels. You, looked at, you look at the Memphis game, high-quality opponent. We had 12 turnovers. That's acceptable. The other thing is we are uh, 53rd in the country in, the free, in our free throw rate, so um, we do a really good job of getting fouled when we go to the basket. Yeah, so I, I think, think we're we also c- top 35 in free throws uh, percentage made. Yes, and I was, hold that thought. I'm yeah. getting to that later. I was okay. going to say, we're 78% from the free throw line, which I don't know where it ranks historically. Max but, is driving that, too. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I think that, yeah, being aggressive. And, um, yeah, like you said, I think Bears is going to help with the tempo and Bama still for sure. And, uh, yeah, w- with that, the minutes continuity, I think roles are going to get carved out, allocated when those two get back to. So. I think it's very interesting how you were saying it's taking 18 seconds per possession because there's two ways that I look at that. Number one, sometimes I hate when we come down and we shoot within seven seconds. But at the same time, I've also been saying our biggest issue offensively is we're not getting enough fast break points. We had 13 against Temple. I think that was the most all season, right? I mean, I need VCU to get more layups and dunks, especially at home to get the crowd involved. But also because our half-court offense seems to be up and down at times and we go on scoring droughts. Yeah, our, our transition offense has been pretty much non-existent. And I think... Um, you kind of go back to the the uh, steals. We're not getting a lot of just 
opportunities to for a quick outlet pass where we have uh, a numbers advantage where we're attacking three on two or two on one or what have you. And another thing I've noticed, and this is just kind of an observation, but even when we do get into those transition opportunities, we're not converting at a very high rate. And we kind of talked about yeah. this last podcast, but um, you know, when you felt like when you had Briante, when you had Jaquan, these guys would do the Euro step, time up their 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 steps perfectly, or, or they just knew how to play with the other guy that was on the, the opposite side of them, and they would always finish and get in ones. I feel like we're just getting fouled and going to the free throw line, which I mean. It's a positive that you're getting turnovers and points off of those, but it could definitely be a lot better. It's been a frustrating aspect of the Odomera so far too, right? Because the, the narrative coming in was you were going to play a fast-paced tempo and get a bunch of shots up, and that was going to kind of make up for the lack of live ball turnovers from an excitement standpoint. Yeah. And you haven't really had either to this point. Like, There's no havoc out there. You're not creating live ball turnovers and feeding off of them, and you're also not really getting up and down the floor and, and, and taking shots early in the shot clock. So the compromise that you hoped would be there hasn't really been there, and that's been frustrating. Yeah, you are seeing a lot of three-point shots, though. Yeah. And as yeah. of recently... They've been falling. I mean, you got to love that, right, Connor? I mean, for sure. You know, early on the McNeese State game, which, fortunately, I didn't watch that game. I was on my honeymoon. I got married two days before the season started. So I just, <laughs> just wanted, to, wanted to throw that out there. Why don't you remind everyone? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Everyone knows. The McNeese oh, State game, which, in my opinion, never really happened. But that game, what was what'd you say? I said it's required reminder once a pod. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You should tell the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, 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 yeah <laughs> you, can't, you can't count that on the resume. I didn't, I didn't see yeah. it, you know. But, uh, you know, that game, what was it, Zeb, like 2 of 12 that game? And, yeah. uh, Shulga and Fats shot well that game. But um, overall, you know, we had some kind of duds from the three-point line early on. Um, I know Seattle, we had some threes late, but early in the first half we were just kind of jacking threes. So it, it has gotten better at least, but really ever since Fat, uh, the uh, the Penn State or the uh, the Penn State game where Fats lit, lit, uh, lit the Nittany Lions up that game. Um, so yeah, threes have been following, but kind of following what Zach said, you know, we had this kind of approach that Odom has this, you know, almost pro style offense, which again, we haven't been fully healthy or fully available. Uh, we're now full, almost fully available. We'll see when Barristow comes back. But again, you know, we've been accustomed to live ball turnovers. Even Wade's system was a little different than Shaka and Rhodes, but we still got a lot of turnovers. So I've been watching live ball turnovers really since like Anthony Grant was here. <laughs> so it's just like, it's, it's a different style for sure. Um, I think it's going to take off in conference play. I'm That's full. why the Norfolk State loss was so frustrating because oh right? they, out, they out VCU. They, VCU. they, hit, they went like 2 of 16 from 3 that game and still like dogged us. It's It stunk, man. That was, that was not a fun night at this too. So. A point from a minutes continuity standpoint that you'd mentioned before, I think that's just kind of who Ryan is. He's a weird, the soccer was on before here, and I thought of Claudio Ranieri, who was the Leicester manager yeah. when they won the Premier League, and he was referred to as the tinkerer because he would always just kind of go into games with different lineups, and he was really willing to change things up. I think Ryan, despite the fact that he stuck with the same starting lineup throughout the year, he likes changing up different combinations with, with, with players in different lineups and trying things out depending on the opponents. So I think we're going to continue to see more of that throughout the year. It's, it's funny you say that. I think a gripe with him at uh, Utah State was he was starting Rylan Jones over Stephen Ashworth before Stephen Ashworth took off. I mean, obviously, you know, Stephen Ashworth started torching the nets from deep and um, him and Shulga formed a really good backcourt, but like he wasn't the starting guy there. Um, so I think that, yeah, I th I, he will tinker with lineups a lot and, until he finds something that's really hitting. But he's stubborn with his starting five, which has been fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I, I actually like that he's sticking with the starting five, and I think it, it instilled Kwani Kwani to have the confidence mm -hmm. to go out there, keep shooting, keep working every morning at the BDC, and eventually the shot will fall. So the Rams continue their homestand here with Maryland Eastern Shore on Friday, December 22nd. Connor, what you got for the game preview? 
So VCU all time as VCU are six and zero against uh, UMass. Uh, we were zero and one when we were RPI. So I imagine that was like an NAIA game way back in the sixties. Uh, last time we played them was our senior year of college. It was 11-20-2014, which means it was the day after my twenty second birthday. And anyone who was at that twenty second birthday party, I fell on the stairs <laughs> that night. Um, I, uh, I so I, Zach, I managed the VCU baseball team for a little bit when I was in school, and that fall semester of my senior year, I invited the baseball team. It was like eight, six or seven, eight, eight guys and stuff. And I think I just got a little little hype that they showed up, and I am just hammered. And it was, but yeah, I literally fell on the stairs. But I remember tweeting um, hmm. like that morning at like nine a.m. I was like. You know, it was a game-time decision for the game against UMass that night. Of course, I still made it. We, uh, we won 106-46, to 46, so let's try to score some points this time. Was you that Super the, Regionals? What's that? Was that Super Regionals year? That, Sean Thompson? That was the, in, the, in the spring, yeah. Sean, good dude. Great yeah. dude. You know um, but that was the fall that? Before, before that year, yeah. Connor, you, you, invented, you invited the baseball bros over. Yeah. I thought Chris Mason was on the baseball team all college long because that's who he hung out with. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a party, man. It, well, I played club baseball, but I invited the actual NCAA team. So, like, it was, it was, it was a hype party. But, uh, hey, I made it to the UMass game after basically not sleeping and having some bruises. So, the first time we played them. First and foremost, this game this game should be similar to Alcorn State. You know, it doesn't mean you have to win by. Tw- I think what did we win that game by? Like twenty eight, something like that. Yeah. yeah um, in terms of Ken Palm, Ken Palm, right now, Alcorn State's three three ten, Maryland Eastern Shore's three fifty two, in Ken Palm. What is there? Three hundred sixty eight, sixty nine teams in NCAA. I saw three sixty listed on Ken Palm. Yeah, earlier. something like that. So they are in the bottom ten ish of Ken Palm. It's not a good team. It's a Friday night game. It's a, I mean, it's the, the game before Christmas is always a fun one. My whole life at the Seagull Center, the dancers wear, you know, green and red. What's up? I was just going to say, you can never underestimate anybody. They beat Penn, who beat Villanova. That's their so one in transitive <laughs> properties. Could be a little dangerous. They played yeah. some so tough Caleb's teams. A yeah. That's their, <laughs> no, I just think yeah. respect. I agree. Respect. That's their one D, uh, D1 win. That other one was like a D3 team. Uh, so this should which don't count. Not going to agreed. I'm <laughs> a hard. Count. I'm a hard on that. I think. I think it should be. A we qu- know. We know. <laughs> I think if you play a D3, D, a non D1 team in the regular season, it should count as a quad four loss. Just 100. <laughs> percent That's um, fair. But uh, no. So uh, it, this should be like Alcorn State. But again, you know, it's you're still you know playing a Division One opponent. But I always love the game before Christmas. It's always a lot of fun. Like I was saying, dancers are always wearing the green, green and red. Rodney always has a Santa hat on. I'm going. My <laughs> in laws were sitting uh, down down close to the floor, so it's gonna be a fun game Friday night. And it's a good game for the the it's a good game for the students. You know, exams are done with uh, probably as of today. Uh, a lot of times you have guys from out of town. You know, out of town. I heard on the radio, uh, Shola's parents might be coming to the game. Oh, which would be all. I don't, I don't know enough about. Uh, you know, his, his family situation that they've been able to see him the last few years at Utah State. I don't know the answer to that. But I heard that his parents are going to be here for a few weeks. Uh, but these games right around Christmas and New Year's are so much fun. Guys are usually a little less stressed. Uh, you know, you know, no, no school and stuff. So I'm excited for Friday night. I think it's going to be a good crowd. I think it's going to be thumping. Yeah, no, you, you brought up a good point. From our time in college, I always remember this game as the game that Boardwine would go to or Patrick Thompson. Like, all the people oh, yeah. that listen to the podcast that didn't go to VCU – Right, because they came home to Richmond for the holidays, and they grew up rooting for VCU. They, when we were in school, they used to do that deal for a while. It was if you just brought a student ID from another from another state school, you got in for free. I think they just wanted people in the student section. Eventually, it was like ten dollars. We had a fun time at a Longwood game. <laughs> Me, you, Dan, and Boardwine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we can talk about it on here, but it was a really good. De- it was, it a, was good a decent Longwood team too. Yeah, we waxed them too. It was yeah. fun. I was just gonna ask Zach, did. 
Ryan Odom give any breakdown of UMES today? Or what did he say? Nothing much? Uh, he essentially said any given Sunday. Okay. Uh, and, <laughs> right. And, and Great answer. Yeah, they can beat anybody. Coach and speak. so, yeah, you, exactly. It was definitely coach speak. I, I'll tell you, Caleb, what I want to see is the offense continue to explode. I believe for the last five games we've scored 80-plus points. So that's what I want to see. Let's play our game. Don't play down to the competition. You know, Keep this momentum that we've got with a awesome bench unit. I want also three double-digit scorers. Can I get that, Caleb? I was just going to say the same thing, especially from our backcourt. I'd like to see again Shulga, Zeb, and Bamisil all score 10-plus points. I'd also like to see maybe 10 points from Furman. I think it's possible, I, and I, I do think that the bigs play better when Jason Nelson I, is getting involved. If I'm being extra greedy this Christmas season, I want some Roosevelt Wheeler minutes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is the opportunity to get him. At least going. some backup minutes, you know. Yeah, yeah, give, yeah. give me six minutes with a, a couple rebounds and a bucket, you know. Yeah, I think Block. especially <laughs> with these next two games, MES and Gardner Webb, you got to give him an opportunity to play. You guys have talked about this before. Give me more shooting volume for Jason Nelson. Yeah, he's shooting forty-seven point four percent from three for the season. I've got to see him picked out more and given more of an opportunity to operate off the ball um, and and get the ball in the catch and shoot. Also, just a quick point on Shulga. When I talked to him over the summer. Um, his it, much of his family was in Ukraine, um, and that was obviously an emotionally heavy circumstance for him. And he was getting updates about the war from them, and so I, I imagine it'll be particularly emotional if his if his parents are there for the game. Yeah, Ryan Odom said at the coaches show that um, Bearstow's parents are here like six weeks or something too. So oh, wow. they might be in town too, and hopefully he plays. I'm always saying that every pod. Every pod. I'm not losing hope though. And Caleb oh. said he was going to play in November. So yeah. <laughs> well, missed by a little bit. But, you know, you gotta dream big, fellas. Uh, yep. Do you have any any news to offer? Give any rumblings? Is there on what? I don't want to put you on the spot. If you just want to say that Odom's taking it day by day, you can uh, say yeah, that. Why, you you could, you, yeah, you could throw us a visual emoji. I jumped, I jumped the gun. I, I don't know if you guys saw, but I got some grief from people on Twitter for tweeting some emojis with the Australian flag and stuff like that, that, that before the oh, Norfolk State game. That was, yeah. that was, the, yeah, that was a few weeks ago. Is that a Bearstow thing? They were trying it out. I think yeah. there was a, there was a, a, a process a question before the mark. game. You had a question mark it, in there, too, thank you, you? Thank you. I put the question mark in there intentionally. But I, I think that they have. there's a point maybe a week or two ago that they decided to to be really judicious about this and take it slow. So at this juncture, I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, these are two games that VCU should win without him, yeah. right? And you obviously want to get him some playing time and get him comfortable going into conference play, but I wouldn't be surprised if they give him another game to, to be 110%. Mm-hmm. So do you... Is he practicing? I he mean, is, yeah. Okay. Right. But I, I've heard he, he's. it's not like full contact no. at practice, and that's, right? And that's the threshold that Ryan said they need to get to. He needs a full contact practice before they can put him out there for yeah. a game. And as of today, I don't believe he'd had that yet. Yep. So each week on the podcast, each of us get our own segment. And Connor Bailey does a little throwback Thursday every week for this week in VCU basketball history. This week in VCU basketball history. Every episode, Connor will break down a memorable game in VCU basketball history that took place during this week in time. December 20th, 2014. So this week, nine years ago, uh, our senior year of college and your first year of college at VCU. Uh, so we played at Cincinnati. And this is a big game for us because it was that non-conference game against, they were in the American at that time, but a, you know, a, a, comparable, a comparable opponent. And VCU was 7-3 and three at that point. And it almost felt disappointing. VCU had a lot of hype heading to the 2014, 2015 season. It was kind of unique. You had Shaka brought back a lot of a lot of players and stuff, but it was unique because, at least for me, because it was like the first year we didn't have a single player that was on the Final Four team. It felt like it was almost a new era 
Uh, it, that was how I felt. It was, it was like, hey, this is this is like Shaka's first team. That's kind of pat his first team he's coaching, where you know you don't have to talk about the Final Four at all times. Um, but they were seven and three through that that first ten games. They had a neutral site loss against Villanova, a home loss to UVA, a road loss at ODU that just kind of stunk. And we kind of slept walked through some games. We 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 put a road game in Illinois State that year. I remember Chris, you and I were in economics class. I'm pretty sure it was like a Tuesday night. It was a game where Briante didn't start for a coach's decision, and we won by like four. It was right before the UVA game. We slept walked through that game. We had another, in the, a week before this game against Cincinnati. We played Northern Iowa. It was a double overtime win. Good Northern Iowa team. Oh yeah, I and remember you, that game. You and I, you and I actually called it on Rams review. It was yeah. a good game. Mo had really bad cramps in his uh, calves that night. Um, they definitely had Ali Farouk Banesh, right? No, he was gone by then. Oh, come on. He was like 2010. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, good, 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 good call. They had Wes Washburn. Yeah, he was, was just going to say He could that, hoop. Yeah. And then uh, the UVA transfer hit the buzzer beater against Texas. I can't think of his name right now. Um, anyways, so we're playing at Cincinnati. It's like a noon Saturday. It's like a noon Saturday game, maybe 1 o'clock. You know, not a lot of fans. The big thing for Cincinnati, this is a good team. This team ended up being an eight-seed in the NCAA tournament that year. Mick Cronin, now UCLA head coach, yes, that sir. week had taken a leave of absence. He had a brain aneurysm. Uh, and it fortunately, it, it was, I don't know if it was benign or it, whatever it was, it was treatable. And he coached the next year. But he stepped away like three days before that game and ended up stepping away, I want to say in January for the season, to get treatment for it. So it was kind of an emotional game because they have, you know, an acting coach like three days in advance. Um, I'll be honest, VCU didn't really care because we went there and kicked their butt. 68 to 47, we waxed them. Uh, shot 15 to 31 from three. I remember watching it with my dad and brother at Bailey's Pub and Grill in Midlothian. Mm. Any, any Midlothianites here, if um, for 45, single uh, or divorced, and <laughs> you, like wanna, you, yeah, you want you like Golden Tee and want to go there on a Wednesday night, it's a great spot for you, even though it hadn't been open in like eight years. But uh, I watched that game there, and then I went to ACAC afterwards and uh, played some basketball with some high school friends, and I, I was just real pumped up because it was a huge road win. We've been kind of been struggling, and we just we hit, it was like no, it was a no mercy win. You know, we didn't we didn't care what Cincinnati was dealing with that year. Um, we go there and win 68-47. Fun game, like I said, shot fifteen to thirty one. Can you got you know what we have a guest here who do you, Zach who do you think shot the oh, hit the most threes in that game? What year is this again? This is 2014-15. Your fr- your freshman year, so shock is last year. Who do you Ooh. think? There's two. I'll say it. Two guys went had four threes in that game. Who do you think they were? Melvin Johnson on that team. Melvin Johnson shot four and nine from three. Scored 18 points. He was our leading scorer that game. So he's one of the four four three guys. Ah, oh, second one. Somebody help me out. Doug uh, Brooks. No, oh, I, I'm gonna say Jaquan Lewis. Doug, you off the bench was uh, one of four from three. Uh, Jaquan was 0 for 3. Johnny Williams on that team, he doesn't shoot. It wasn't, threes. there's no way it was Jordan Burgess. Jordan Burgess actually shot 3 of 5 from 3. So he huh. had 3 threes with 11 points. Was it game. Travion? Travion was 4 of 6. He had, yeah, this is a Travion game. 4 of 6 from 3, 12 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, and we probably didn't even notice he did anything in that right. game. So yeah, Melvin Johnson and Travion both had 4 threes. Jordan had 3. Uh, a freshman off the bench hit 2 threes. Who, who Terry Larry. Terry Larry, yeah, only one year with us. Um, Dang, I yeah. miss Terry Larry. He had I so much potential. What happened? To, did he tear an ACL and that kind of ruined he his also career? Bu- uh, hit his no- he broke his nasal or something at UConn because he he wore the Rip Hamilton mask for a while at UConn. <clears throat> was Mike Gilmore on that team? Yeah, he uh, played five minutes. Uh, just one personal foul. Had three rebounds though. So what, is, cool. what was Mo Ali Cox's stat line? Twenty-five minutes, uh, six re- uh, six points, two rebounds, a couple blocks. Yeah. So. Zach, for your freshman year, right? So, were you always Commonwealth Times, or did you like? Were you ever in the student section as a fan? I was never in the student section, and I was not CT yet at that point. I was a contributing writer the first time my sophomore year, gotcha. and so the, I. Uh, but from my freshman year, I remember that year ended with the loss to Ohio State, 
right? The D'Angelo D- Russell yeah. game. He traveled. Yeah, he traveled. He, Russell he, nightmare. He, also, traveled. he also elbowed Doug Brooks he and, and got I'd a die on technical that foul for that. Yeah. I watched that game in the common uh, room of the OG uh, GRC in its last year of existence yeah. right before wow. moving out. Yeah, Throwback, man. Man, I was, I was at that game depressing. Really depressing, man. We should have. We the, the, our our junior and senior year, we had too much talent to lose in the first round. My goodness, now I've, I'm thinking hurting. about SFA, and it just Jake Kwan. Hey, he's our he's our guy, man. We missed a lot of free throws on the stretch, but, but yeah, he didn't even touch him. That's the, a thing. Yeah, agree, but yeah, th- yeah. Th- that's this week in Ram history. A big road win at Cincy. <laughs> uh, hey, a local guy Troy Copain out of Cosby High School was on Cincinnati's team, but uh, hey, it's a big win for us, and. Uh, yeah, Rams. Do you guys have Buddy Healed nightmares? Yeah. Too, Doug right? Brooks. Thank you, Doug, Doug Brooks, Brooks yeah. taught crap to him. Yeah. <laughs> he scored like five points yeah, in the first half. Me. Like twenty five. He scored like twenty five in the second half. That team hey. should have been in the Sweet Sixteen. That was around a round of thirty two game. Right? Yeah. 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 Gilmore balled out that game. Yeah, he, he did. Really that was the break out. Dude. That, that yeah. was that was it was kind of hype for a little bit. Jaquan, not Jaquan. Um, what was his name? Javante Reddick missed a dunk. That, uh, you're, th- you're thinking of the, the Saint, you're thinking of St. Joe's A10 title game in 2014. Like the, the uh, first I, play, he maybe. got a steal and just missed a dunk. I the first he, play of the I game. think he missed a dunk in the SFA game as maybe. well. Anyway, it is time for a Wads Energy. It's time for a Wads Energy. What about VCU hoops? Has a Wad pumped up for this week? I mean, I think it's an easy one. AWOD's energy has to be on Joe Bamisil's return, the energy that he brought to the Seagulls Center. And look, we talked all about Ryan Odom being this offensive genius, and I kind of just closed my eyes during that game, and I was like, man, this is the roster that he envisioned. This is what he pictured for VCU, plus Sean Barstow. I mean, can you imagine the level that this team can get to when those guys come back and develop some chemistry? Watch the F out A-10. This is an awesome lineup here with Joe off the bench. We ha- It feels like we have a full 10 deep if we need to uh, with Toby LaWall be a perfect replacement for uh, Christian Furman. Barstow and Michael Bell can replace each other. Kwani and Joe Bamisil. Uh, Fats and Jason Nelson off the bench. So my energy is just about the vision that Ryan Odom had in the offseason, and now it feels like it's starting to come to fruition. This non-conference season to me has felt like just a missed opportunity as a whole. And I think that, uh, like Zach said, like Fats has said uh, previously, we're we're this close. And I think with the addition of Bamisil and Barristow, uh, that might get us over the hump. And I, I expect that it will. So I'm just I, I share your energy. I'm I'm really excited about getting these two guys into uh into a um, consistent rotation and seeing what that looks like. I love the energies towards Joe Bam. We already you know we discussed it early on that he he brought the energy Saturday or on Saturday against Temple. So I understand why your energy's <laughs> towards Joe Bam this week. Uh, but like you said, it's it, we were kind of advertised a a type of style type of offense and Caleb kind of you know I do agree with you it's been a missed opportunity because we haven't we've had I mean, we played bad against Norfolk State and we played bad against McNeese uh but I mean we were Iowa State's top 10 in uh the net I want to say top 25 in Ken Palm we had we had we that were, game, well, were we up by 18 in that or 15 yeah 14, 14. or 15 yeah, it was 15 they hit two threes before the end of the half but yeah. uh you know a top 100 Boise State team we were right there with them at Memphis I mean Memphis has looked great great at times this year and we went to overtime you know lay up away from yeah exactly so it's just uh you know, there's been. I, I've I look at this. You know, if we win our next two games, we'll finish eight and five. And I've seen two instances of VCU teams going eight and five in the non-con. It was Will Wade's first year and Mike Rhodes' first year. 
Will Wade's first year, <laughs> they went 14-4 and four in A-10 play. Mike Rhodes, they went 9-9. Nine and nine. Now, granted, the talent level between those teams, I, I, you know, they're sitting to say, oh, you know, Will did an unbelievable job, Mike did an awful job. No, like, the talent was different. Uh, I think I think we can definitely do better than nine and nine. I you know I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you oh yeah we're definitely going to win the conference, but I think this team is teetering or they're very close and they will compete for a top four spot in the A ten. Zach, anything you wanted to add there? Doesn't this feel so VCU? And you guys have talked about this before, just with the timing right and scheduling a little or struggling a little bit in the non conference schedule to this point, and then there's been many years in the past where they hit their stride right about this time entering conference play. It feels like it's very possible that that they're walking into that right now. And I may have jumped the gun. A little bit last week on Twitter and saying that with Barstow and Bama Seal, this team could compete atop the A10 and be one you got of the favorites yelled, in the A10. You got yelled at on Twitter. I did. I got I got, got called bar- a child a little you bit. You got barked yeah. out by Bonaventure fans. Yeah, I, didn't, fans. I, didn't, I didn't particularly like that either. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. 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 No, it's okay. I knew what I was getting myself into. I've been, and perhaps it was a little audacious. I've been yelled at. It, it, it happens. It does seem like the same thing happens every year where once Rams the Rams get healthy, watch out. You know, I mean, this the the ceiling is for real. Yeah. Connor, do a quick injury history of like November injuries since we've I mean, been calling. The last two years, you know, Ace Ace gets hurt in June of twenty one and can't really play till December. So you know, we have a couple. We we barely we lose to UConn, we lose to Baylor and stuff down in down in Atlantis. last year. Ace, we like we didn't know he he got hurt against Morgan State, and then like five minutes before Arizona State, he's hurt, can't play in a few games. I look at Marcus Evans, 2018, 2019. Yeah, that's a good one. Has, the, has the ear and like yeah, Jameer missing the whole year too. But like uh, Marcus Evans, you know, getting hurt in June and. He, I think he played the first game. He like didn't start the first three games or so, and kept on saying he one hundred percent. But then that's just injuries off the bat that just stunk, man. And it just feels like we haven't haven't just had bad luck to start the year. I was just gonna say we might have to win some shootouts. We have like good offensive players coming back, but um, I'd be cool with that. Like a North Carolina, I might have said that before in the pod. Just like outscore people Iowa. if we struggle. Yeah, yeah, just throw up like ninety points, but give up eighty, and yeah, be, kind of be fun. fun. Different, that's for sure. Another thing I'll point out is I think that our net and our Ken Palm are both still ahead of where we were at this point last year. Yes, so that's an interesting thing. But the other side of that is the conference is in just a much much better place where yeah. you don't have the dregs in the basement that are just going to pull you down if you drop one on the road or God forbid at home. But on the other flip side, we might get. Three, four, five quad one opportunities in conference. I would, um, I would love. That. I, I, I know I mean, three, I, I, but like if so, George Mason is uh, they're seventy sixth. Yeah, and they'll, so they'll, if, they'll, but if they get above yeah. seventy five, and we're playing at Mason, that's a quad one, right? Yeah, even if and even if they don't, so, it's still a quad two. If, if they could be top one thirty five, really, right? And I don't yeah. and like I could go on about how some of these conference foes have played very weak schedules and G-dub. everyone's pumping up their net. Yeah, yeah G-Dub, G-Miz, and, I mean, whatever. Richmond. But, um, you know, still, their net ranking is what it is. Mm-hmm. And if you pull off that road win, then good. Yeah. So. Well, here's what I will say about the out-of-conference you know, out play in the A-10. I don't know about you guys, and maybe it's just um, like an old-school um, like conference thing for me, but I think Dayton beating Cincinnati was huge. Of course. You, I mean, Cincinnati's not what they used to it's, be, but that felt really big. It's good from me. an optics standpoint. And then I UMass think over West trash, Virginia. Kenyon, Mar- Kenyon Martin's on. not walking through that door. <laughs> was UMass West Virginia West, massive? Uh, West no. Virginia stinks, yeah. dude. Because they, 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 they don't have the respect, coach anymore. Respectfully, they'd be like well, they'd be like ninth and Ken Palm if they're in the A10. <laughs> they just got yeah. all their players back, like four of them, yeah, for that game. And that's just kind of like... Hasn't Kurt, it's a lot at once. Hasn't Kurt, the Arizona transfer... Kurt said that was his first game. That was his first game, too. He had some... He had His was different, though. It was like... Didn't he take money? Or, it was, yeah, yeah. It, it was, was some like, NIL crap. It was uh, something with autographs, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. BS. But no, I I wish West Virginia was a huge win, but it, 
I don't know how, how much that's going to matter for UMass. It's just funny, the Rosting tweet. He's upset St. Joe's and Dayton don't play more. And I, wish we, play, yeah. I wish we played at St. Joe's. That'd it, be great. They, they play here on a Sunday. It's kind of but It's an interesting point that uh, Bernadette McGlade needs to look at some sort of um, – it's like flex scheduling in, in football where you like – I mean, but obviously you change opponents to where you take the top f- six teams or whatever and let them play each other home and home uh, based on metrics. I mean, it would help the conference out a lot. This is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, an affiliate of the new sports radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, we're always available on social media at Black Gold Fan Pod. You can send us a voicemail and – let us know your thoughts. No voicemail this week, but... Know your role and shut your mouth! It's time for final thoughts. Zach, you want to begin uh, begin this segment here? Final thoughts, anything VCU basketball? It is the last time we'll talk before Christmas. Anything that's on your mind? This is two games coming up that they absolutely should win and should have a lot of momentum going into conference play, and it's impossible to play this game. But as you guys were talking there, I, I, I couldn't help but think, where is this team right now if they have... Bam and Sean Barristow from the outset. I think it's entirely possible that they're 10-1 and one, um, with the only loss being to FAU and, and the end of Orlando. And it's obviously impossible to see how that plays out in the bracket if you win that first game. But you're right there against Iowa State. You're right there against Memphis. Maybe this is – Fats has me hyped up, but I really do believe when he said we're right there that the team is on the precipice of hitting its stride and finding a run like they did last year when they won 19 of 22 and, and won the A-10 down the stretch here. So I, I think it's an exciting time, um, and I think with the addition of Sean Barrister, you're going to see a lot more of the style of basketball that Ryan wants to play. Connor, final thoughts. Know your role and shut your mouth. Final thoughts. So, you know, next week we're going to discuss New Year's resolutions for the team, for the conference and everything. But this week, you know, it's Hanukkah just passed. We got Christmas in a few days. My Christmas final thought is I've watched VCU basketball my whole life, and we kind of, Caleb kind of hinted at it early about free throw percentage. I'm going to do a little research before next pod to see where we're at. We're 12th in the nation per Ken Palm in free throw percentage right now. I, I'm going to go on a limb and say maybe once or twice in my in the Ken Palm era, which I know Ken Palm goes back to 97. A lot of their stats didn't start until 02, so we'll I'll have to do some research. Maybe some of the B.A. Walker years we were good. I know when Bo- Bones' second year here, 2021, that was like one of our better free throw shooting years. I don't think we have a lot of top 100 years. I mean, it's, you know, there's always an old there's always old heads that are like, oh, my God, Rhodes can't do this, or Will Wade or Chaka did this and stuff. No, we've always stunk at free throw shooting. There's just, <laughs> it doesn't matter who the coach is. We're 12th right now, knock on wood. Uh, so that's my Christmas gift as a VC, to myself as a VCU fan is we can shoot free throws now. Caleb, final oh, thoughts. I'm, I'm going to uh, – <laughs> I'm going to hop on with what Zach said. Uh, despite a lot of just blatant flaws that this team has, where they are hanging in there with some decent competition, and uh, I think we're we're almost there. And I think just getting the lineup, um, just just humming with our two new additions of Vamasil and Barstow will be huge. And yeah, brighter days ahead for this team. All right, my final thoughts. No, you're- Shut your mouth. I, I'm so excited for what this team can be, but I also wanted to spotlight the guys that have been playing well in the backcourt, and that is Zeb Jackson, Max Scholga. Like we talked about earlier, like it's so crazy to think that Ace Baldwin was the player of the year in the A-10, averaged 12 points a game, right? Jaden Nunn was a sophomore sensation. I, I feel like he's playing really well for Baylor, and he might even get any be- uh, get better to the point that he's an NBA prospect. But Max Scholga is averaging 16 points a game, and our backcourt's scoring 31, and we might have the best backcourt in the A-10. We got we got dudes. Odom's we got, got dudes. dudes. We brought back a couple a couple dudes, but Odom brought dudes here. 
and I hear you. I mean, Zeb and Show. I, I didn't. I didn't think. I, I think it was our first pot, our preseason pot. I said Zeb, if we want to compete for a, compete for an A10 title, I said Zeb Jackson will be competing for an All Conference spot. And you know, it's the non conference, and you know, your A10 stats really weigh into that. Uh, he's playing like a guy who wants to be on an All A10 team right now, and got to give him a shout out there. Yeah, and and he, if he keeps attacking the basket like Zach was talking about, I mean, my goodness, he he can blow by people and get easy buckets every single game, six to eight points like that. Yeah, and I just think with the depth of the backcourt expanding, um, that should alleviate some of the pressure that's on him. I still hope that he keeps that production up because, like you said, with what he's averaging right now, he could be he, – he should at least be on second or maybe even first team all Well, agent. And that's why I like the lineup when Jason Nelson runs the point because he is really good at coming off a screen, getting it, and slashing baseline. And so he really can play point and shooting guard. Yeah, I'll give the front court a shout-out because we didn't talk about them much. Shout-out to Kwani Kwani making those 2-3, staying hot. Um, yeah, he's looked great the last couple games. So. Yeah, and Michael Bell continues to uh, you know, make an impact on the defensive end. I've never enjoyed watching a guy get to the line as much as I do, Max. Obviously, we, yeah. we don't buy tickets to games to see people shoot free throws, but he's <laughs> so good at body positioning. He's yeah. got, and I say this in the most complimentary way possible, some James Harden to his game, right? He's also really good at reacting and making the officials make difficult decisions when he gets any kind of contact. And I think you saw that a lot um, in the Temple game. Whenever they were putting together a run, he's great at reading in-game situations about when you need uh, to get to the line to break some momentum. And so I've really enjoyed seeing that from Max this year. And I think it's an element that VCU has not had in years past, a guy that can consistently get to the line in situations where you need to slow the tempo and break some momentum. Yeah, I'll up your James Harden and go with Luka Doncic because he almost has fat boy swag (laughs) with the fact that he He's playing at his own pace, and a lot of times he's defended by a smaller, quicker guard, but he gets past them because he does this great move where he starts moving before he catches the ball, or he does a little shuffle in and out dribble, and all of a sudden he has a step, and he's able to kind of use his other arm to block you out. Gets and, you to overcommit. Right, once he has a step on you, and he's got all these different finishes under the basket. He got fouled driving right, and he flipped it up with his left hand last game. You saw that? Yeah, beautiful finisher around the rim, but... Let's not uh, forget that my man can get up. He's got two tomahawk dunks this year. So, I mean. He jammed that last one. My dad got – I didn't I didn't know he could dunk. You know, being, he, did it, no, he did it in Orlando, too, and I was like, oh, nice, yeah, nice. Nice dunk pack. He's got hops, baby. <laughs> yep. So the Rams will face off against Maryland Eastern Shore on Friday. Appreciate everybody listening to the show. One more big round of applause. Zach Joaquin yeah. coming Thank in you, studio. Zach. This Thank was you. so cool. First Thank you guys so much for having guest. me on. Yeah, that was awesome. Zach, you're the man. This is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Appreciate you listening to the show. Go Rams, go.